Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories and tips on how to find your purpose, empowering you to create your own life. This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, launching in May, demystifies the subject of Dharma and helps you tune in to why you're really here. Life is not meant to be hard, and when we get on our soul path, it all changes. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma for more information. And without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Romeo. She's an intuitive, a licensed marriage and family therapist, an author. She wrote the book Meet Your Soul, which I can highly recommend if you're interested in communicating more directly with your soul. Her worldwide private practice consists of thousands of clients who she works with by merging her background with in-depth psychology and an ability to directly communicate with the soul. Her mission is to help us all connect with our souls so we can hear their guidance, power and love. I know you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Ilsa is a beautiful human being doing amazing things on the planet. And for anyone who is interested in getting on their soul path, she is definitely worth listening to. So let's dive in. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me a very special guest, Ilsa Romeo. Hello. Hi. Good morning or Good afternoon. Morning. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon here. Uh, Ilsa, how I found Ilsa is quite an interesting story. So Ilsa is a gifted intuitive and she's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And her mission was the thing, was the reason I wanted her to come and talk to us today. So her mission is to get you to fall madly in love with your soul. Um, and how I found Ilsa was through a video on her website called Awakening the Heart. Now, I really suggest you guys go and check out this video because it's Ilsa communicating with individuals, but also communicating with their souls. And um, my whole body, Ilsa, we were talking about this just before we started, but my whole body was on fire with energy rushing through my body. And I, not only that, I felt really emotional as well. Like, like I could, like I wanted to just burst out crying and I feel it now like I'm talking to you. So uh, welcome to Kitty Talks. Really sorry, long intro. Um, welcome to Kitty Talks. I'm really excited that you're going to share your story with us today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you saw the trailer. Um, yeah, so I was saying right before we started filming that I, my soul who I talked to, Sophia, I talked to her every day in my journal. And it was at the point in my life where we had my book, Meet Your Soul, had already been out and we had worked hard on that. And then I had my little baby, my newborn, and then we had gotten married. So it had been busy summer. So I had made a commitment to my husband. We're going to just relax the summer. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go on a lot of picnics. Like we're not going to work much. And then I'm soul journaling and she says, 
actually, you're gonna hire a film crew and invite a bunch of women to come soul birth in your barn. So we do retreats in the summer on our property here on this little island outside Seattle, Washington. And um, she told me, you know, you've written the information about how to meet your soul, but now it's time to show on film, people meeting their souls and embodying their souls and having the soul come in the body and bring up trauma, mm. release it from the body. And it's a reunion, it's a homecoming, it's a re-remembering and it's emotional. And mm. there's a lot of crying that goes down that weekend, but it's not sad crying. It's, it's kind of like relief crying, like finally being seen and finally being known. And um, so it's really, it was so beautiful. And I didn't really know what to expect because I was thinking art, people going to do this on camera, you know, they yeah. do it in my privates, but I didn't know with the film crew, but everybody right out the bat was just ready to go. And, um, it was like basically having 30 women giving birth around you at the same time. And mm -hmm. it, it's amazing how physical it is when the soul yeah. comes in the body where there's really, like you're saying, heat and energy just going off kind of similar to Kundalini, but a, a little different type of energy. Um, and, sometimes people get nauseous before it's really like birth, like, wow. and then there's contractions of the waves of it coming in. There's a lot of the ego saying what's happening. And I don't believe it. You know, it's the head is always, I say the last to the party. Like there's so much going on energetically. And usually the head's the last to kind of integrate and understand what happened. But um, yeah, it's really incredibly wow. beautiful. Yeah. And one of the things that we do um, with our Kitty Talks, where we interview people who are, I suppose, living in alignment with their soul, and we encourage people to get that direct line of communication with their soul, because I do believe our soul knows the way, if you see what I mean. We just have to kind of tune into it. But what you're saying is the soul is outside of us, and you get the soul to come in so the individual meets the soul there and then. Yeah, I see it as both. I see it as we are made up of our soul. So the soul is in the body for all of us, even the most kind of disconnected, disconnected, egoic consciousness. So somebody who doesn't even listen to their intuition or is very kind of identified as a persona, as we say in psychology, um, mm -hmm. they're still, the soul's still in the body. It, it cords in through the heart, but I also is I see like um, layers of it. Like it's kind of like where I see the soul as our avatar self or, or our Christed consciousness. It's our enlightened, sainted self. So it's us as all love and the soul exists on a different dimension as well. So it's like we have this ability as egoic consciousness as humans. We can, we have the free will. We can choose to listen or not listen. And of course, I've discovered like you that when you listen, life just goes more smoothly, everything lines up, you're not having to hustle and work as hard to make things happen, but you're in alignment with synchronicities and this beautiful unfolding. And you could call it co-creating with the universe or God or love or whatever you want to call it. But I also think there's a process psychologically and in terms of the energy body that happens as humans where we're in a constant state of birthing and dying psychologically and energetically to our old selves to bring in more and more and more potency of the soul. I'm not done, you know, in this lifetime, I'm still going to have more rounds of bringing her in. Um, and that's the physical emotional piece. So you can also hear the information and then the embodiment piece is the integration piece that ups the default vibration of the overall, you could say physical or pain body. So 
So the more the more you start to tune into this, the more you start to open up to it, the higher your vibration becomes as such. Correct. And normally it starts with listening to your intuition. And that's why I wrote Meet Your Soul, because it's like, first you have to have the idea this is even happening. A lot of people aren't even thinking about it. And then once you start to realize, oh, I can access my intuition, not randomly. It doesn't have to be this. I always tell it's like going from being a uh, amateur to a professional in terms of intuition, where instead of just waiting for those random times of insight, mm. when maybe we're centered or calm or grounded or in a grateful moment where we feeling love, we can consciously work it so that we can hear it even when we're stressed or overwhelmed or disconnected or angry. And, and, um, so that's why I really am a big fan of the soul journaling. The journaling I talk about in Meet Your Soul is a way to hold yourself accountable every day to really check in and ask your soul, how am I doing? And then you're going from beta to theta state in your brain. You're going to a different brain state to look at your life and then see um, where maybe your ego or fear is taking you down the wrong track. Or, and it's really tricky. It sounds almost like obvious, like wouldn't be the obvious if you're going down the wrong track, but really um, it's very subtle energetically. We can be thinking, there's been many times in my life that I thought something was like my soul telling me. um, And then when I checked in with her, it's like, no, (laughs) because it seems spiritual or it seemed like a good idea or it seemed like what's one of my spiritual kind of models would do. So I thought that must be, the spiritual thing. So thing I talk a lot about is the difference between concepts mm-hmm. and then the embodiment of what your soul's really saying or doing. Cause a lot of times it's pretty funky or weird what you hear. You're not, your ego isn't necessarily expecting what the information yeah. will be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that we're trying to show as well with the interviews that we're doing is that usually it's not the kind of anticipated path. I mean, this is not what I thought I'd be doing. (laughs) What you thought you'd be doing? I I was pre-law when I started university. I thought I was gonna. I don't know if you know this TV show, Ally McBeal. We had it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. So I just wanted to be like Ally McBeal. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna be a lawyer. Um, and that lasted not long at all. I got really bored in those classes, and and then through that process of like surrendering to my intuition because I think intuition is a lot about courage because usually we can kind of feel it but then the action to do the download or the message is often scary it's you know for me it was like not what my family was doing or would understand or not what my friends like knew about so it felt scary to me when I started shifting that path Take me back, because obviously for our listeners, one of the things that we do is we break down your journey and your transition. So you, you said that you studied law. How did you go from law to what you're doing now? It sounds like a crazy journey. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just really bored. You know, I like debate and I, I like public speaking, so I thought that would make sense. And then when I started studying about, like, <laughs> the the legal part, I got really bored. And And then I remember I had a little epiphany where I said, all the books on my bookshelf are all about psychology, spirituality, or metaphysics. So what if I studied something I was actually wanting to do on my downtime? That was the first little door opening, which is kind of like a no-brainer looking back. Part of me is like, why didn't I see that earlier? Like, that's crazy. I didn't. But I think I just was in this yeah idea of like, oh, that's how you make money. That's what you should do. Or that makes sense in some way. 
Um, and I didn't know myself very well. You know, I was like 20, 20 years old. Um, there were so many things going on at that time. So it's hard to break down my journey because I'm thinking, what part do I talk about? Because I was also having mystic psychic openings that I was repressing and denying. And so I was really compartmentalizing these, my, I was living my head and then I was having these other mystical experiences that weren't integrating. It was crazy to think back how much I was um, compartmentalizing those experiences, but I just didn't know what to do with them. They felt really scary and unknown. Um, so I had, I talk about my first book, Authentic Intuition, which was initially, my first book was initially called Energetic Codependency, which you might like, Kitty, because it's about when you're energetically sensitive and clairsentient, mm -hmm. the challenge of merging with other people, places, and things, because we have a psychic ability, but then it can be like a sponge where we like pick up all the pick energy. bad stuff as well. Yeah. And it took me a long time to figure that out. I think that's kind of one reason I was off track with some of my life is because I could feel so much in my body, like what my mm -hmm. parents wanted, what my boyfriend wanted, like what my friends thought was cool. Um, so I was really a people pleaser, you know, and just living very codependently in that way. But I didn't know it. Like if you'd asked me that day, are you a people pleaser? I'd, I was so identified as a persona. I thought that I liked that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so through a random medical healing, I had a wart on my knee. I shaved and it spread to like 30 warts. Oh. And I felt very much like a leper. I was at college my first year. I wouldn't wear shorts or skirts because my leg looked horrible. I kept going back to the doctor and they kept burning it with, I forget what it's called, the stuff that's supposed to make the warts go away, some kind of gas. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So then I had third degree burns from that, those treatments that they told me I was going to have my whole life. So I had like these purple, gross, disgusting things on my legs. So out of desperation, because basically the medical model was like, we can't do anything for you. So out of desperation, I went back to this woman who was an intuitive and energy healer and not knowing or believing it was going to really do anything. But um, I had had an experience with her a year earlier. This is talk about, it's funny because we can talk about what, practically you can do in your path but then I think the soul's always orchestrating on a yeah. higher level things because you look back and you're like that's so funny that happened that was my soul trying to get me to wake up on that path so a year before that my parents who my dad was a biochemist and my mom's a mathematician so super wow. med, head <laughs> energy um they had kind of as a joke purchased this reading from this energy worker psychic that was through their Unitarian church. The Unitarian church is very open and kind of whatever. And they didn't believe in it, but they thought, oh, the money's going to the church. This is for Christmas, you know, present for Lisa. We'll just buy this. So they thought it was like a joke, like funny. Um, and that reading changed my life because wow. I went in there, I was 17 about at the time. And I sat down and I just thought I knew everything in the world you do at 17 in that way. And she just started talking about psychic things I'd never told anyone about my boyfriend that was very you know and then and I freaked out like my ego was like have you been following me like, <laughs> how do you know this like I totally didn't my ego could not rationalize what was happening and then she's like oh I'm hearing it from your spirit guides and then I was like what's what? a spirit guide <laughs> you somebody's the full thing and I was scared and I was like freaked out and she taped it and she told me amazing beautiful things and she was very loving um but there's an example the compartmentalization I hid the tape for a year I didn't listen to it until the wart thing came up and then I was like 
oh, well, she does energy healing. Maybe I'll go back to her. She seemed to know something. So I lay on her table, her massage table, and she starts running energy on my knee. And I have a full randomly initiated shamanic soul retrieval. I see my power animal, this tiger lion. I, I still don't know if it's tiger lion, but it was like, a, I think it was a female lion. Um, she showed up in my face and she dove through my body and took me to the lower world. And I had a full on shamanic retrieval and all these spirit helpers were showing me that every wart was a trauma held in my body that I needed to release. Wow. So I started speaking all these stories and through the expression of that, I could feel like I was being healed, like energy was moving. Um, and it went on and on and on. And then finally, she kind of takes me out of the trance. She's like, I have to go catch the ferry. She had to leave. <laughs> so um, the next morning, the warts were gone. And then in three weeks, the third degree burn was gone, wow. which I was told was like medically impossible. So, so then that showed me, okay, there's more to this universe than my understanding of this physical world. There's things mm. going on where miracles can occur and there's a reality to the energy world. And there's spirits that can help us that aren't in the physical. Um, mm. That was all very shocking news to me. So I started training with her and doing her aura, chakra work, cleaning, that kind of stuff. But still was, I mean, at that time, I'm still thinking I'm pre-law, you know? So yeah. it was interesting. I'm still like marching along. Um, but then, yeah, yeah well, also got the experience as well, didn't you? Yeah, and then and then it was just kind of like I got sick of the classes and then shifted to psychology and speech communications, which is like interpersonal relationships, and and it was much more interesting to me. But I was at University of Washington, which is a big research school, so it was still a very scientific model. And Carl Jung was only kind of brought up in classes to kind of like make fun of him, and and for me, I was like that. that that's the part that speaks to me. I don't want to go work with rats and mazes. I don't care about that. I'm really interested in people and their lives and what's going on with them psychologically. And so then I just started training as a therapist and I worked towards my marriage and family therapist license. So I worked in suicide hotlines. I worked in rehab centers with addicts. I worked with juvenile um, girls in juvenile halls. So gang members, a lot of, um, I worked at an incest survivor agency with sexual trauma so I did my kind of clinical training and work for several years there. And then um, and then at the same time, I was doing my meditation school, which was a clairvoyant training program in San Francisco. And so I was learning to use the sixth chakra to see visual pictures and moving from my second chakra, clairsentience of feeling everything. to okay, let's translate this in a more neutral way of receiving pictures. And then I was also doing a lot of talking to my soul at the time, which I was seeing through a Jungian lens, Carl Jung's work of active imagination. So I was talking to basically love and asking love what she would tell me. Um, but kind of as a, in my head at that point, it was like a writing exercise. I didn't, I saw it more psychological, less like I was really talking to my soul. Um, mm. And then in grad school, I went to this program that was very Jungian and about dream work and somatic work and um, transpersonal psychology. I worked with Stan Groff, who's the head of the transpersonal psychology movement. And so they're like some pretty amazing, I mean, the, I was thinking today on my walk, those were my rock stars, like my rock stars. I didn't care about whatever, like the mainstream. I was like Stan Groff and Rick Tarnas and Marion Woodman. I thought they were just like the coolest thing. And I still do. And, um, so I had an out-of-body experience then when I was in grad school. I had just left a class, Stan Groff's class, actually, where he does a 
a, a breathing technique to help, help people change states, uh, to alter their states. He worked back at Harvard in the 60s and 70s when they were using LSD as a psychotropic right. medication. And then when it was illegal, he was looking for other ways to help people access that unconscious work and heal the repressed trauma. So he does breathing technique now, which is really powerful. So he was talking about rebirthing, which is a whole other out there concept. But I remember leaving the class and thinking, I don't know if I really get it or believe that. And then I sat down on the grass and started to have an altered, like going, leaving my body. And I was meditating a lot at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm changing state. And uh, I had a friend who was like, you're going into trance right now. And he took me in the back room and that's what changed my life. That's the biggest thing that changed my life is I left my body. So I, my consciousness flew out of my body and I could see my physical body laying down. And then I had what many people call like a near death experience, even though my body was not dying. I went through a portal, saw my life review. So I saw a movie that you could feel of like, from my soul's perspective of what my, how, I, how did I do? from my soul's perspective on my life so far. And I was shocked to realize, like, I mean, I was going to grad school just completely based on soul. Every book I was reading was about soul. But then my soul was like, you don't actually know me. Like, you know about soul, but you're not in relationship to the energy that I am. And so I was still making choices from fear that I thought were smart and soulful. But she was like, you have to have a direct personal feeling to who I am. So it was basically like my soul showing me what she was. And then I had memories, these downloads of like who I was before I was Lisa Romeo, why I chose my parents, what soul contracts we were working out, and, and how as humans we all come in and take this kind of like forgetting pill, you could call it, the amnesia, where we forget who we re truly are. And then our purpose, when we yeah. talk so much about purpose... Yeah. Purpose has to do, yeah, with doing the things, the extensions, but the, but it's really about embodying that energy. And then it's what does that energy want to do to celebrate being here? That's our purpose. So it's not about, I think we get the finger for the moon confused a lot with purpose, where it's like, yeah. my purpose is to write a book. My purpose is to mm -hmm. do this thing. And it's always like, mm -hmm. Sophia made it really clear when I was writing Meet Your Soul. She's like, I don't give a shit about the book. The book is to utilize you becoming more of me. And if you're not doing that, then I don't care if the book has no success or no one reads it. Yeah. Um, and she's like, but if you're using it as a tool to incarnate me and to help others incarnate, then she's all for it. So being almost the fullest expression of yourself through, through your soul being the fullest expression of yourself. So right. yeah, would that be how you describe it? Yeah, and I think it sounds so easy in concept, but we all have programming from our upbringings yeah. and trauma from different experiences that are even light traumas that can, like the warts. The things that I was getting from the warts is like, when my boyfriend told me he didn't like my outfit, like they were stupid little things. They weren't what you think is traumas, but my body was interpreting them as shame and you know some things I had to release from my body. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a self-love process, but it's also about that capital S self. I think a lot of people also confuse egoic love for self-love sometimes. Like I'm special. I'm going to like get a pedicure and take care of myself, which, you know, maybe wouldn't not be soul aligned, but it's so much different to really surrender everything and yes. die on an egoic level to serve the mission of the higher self. 
And a lot of times it takes getting out of our way over and over and over and over every day. So one of the things I've studied, which I think obviously is in alignment with this, is almost the Vedic texts and around Dharma. You know, yeah. and, and Dharma talks about um, yeah. effectively using your gifts and talents. So effectively doing what is right for you. Everybody, there's 7 billion people on the planet. You know, we're all totally different. What is it that you embody? What is it that you love? What is it that you enjoy? Which is obviously the whole follow your bliss kind of concept. Yeah. And then yeah, you- I, wrote, I wrote a blog once too about follow your bliss or follow your blisters. Because Joseph Campbell at the end of his life even talked about follow your bliss even sometimes seems a little like it's always going to feel good. And I think sometimes when you surrender to your dharma, there's days you don't like it. There's days where I'm like, really? You're out your comfort zone. <laughs> I can feel overwhelmed. I mean, I walk around seeing people's souls above their head and feeling the pressure to help them incarnate all the time. There's days where I'm like, I wish I could just like turn it off and be like a simple person who's like not seeing that. But it's also where my highest purpose comes through, yes. and and my and really my joy. It's funny because I feel such a relief when yes. people are soul birthing because I'm because it's my dharma, you know. Yes. Yes. My yes. ego doesn't always like that, but and, and I think that's a really good point because that whole follow your blessing, like you said, it implies that it is going to be blissful all the time. But this path, this dharmic path, when you're in flow with life, it's going to push you out of your comfort zone. It huh? will. It, yeah, I think. I always say like my husband's my twin flame and a lot of people have a lot of projections about twin flames being like, Oh, you know, like some, whatever, but there's you to grow. Yeah. And I feel like twin flames a lot like Dharma and that it's not about like getting love. It's about turning you into love. Um, so when your job is to be pummeled open into love, it's a very different experience than just like getting everything you want or feeling good all the time. It's about surrendering. But then what happens is that incredible, like you're you're blown up and expanded, but then you feel more you than you ever knew was possible. Mm. And you keep expanding into love and be, becoming more and more love. And so it is like an orgasmic, I'm not going to lie, there's like an orgasmic experience to surrendering your life to your soul. And I think just in terms of, we talk a lot about, you know, the new age community about manifesting. You go from this idea of like manifesting, like you're creating, to surrendering, opening, and then the manifesting becomes that alignment and that dance with God or the universe, the great hum of love, where then stuff just flows. And yeah. I mean, the miracles that have happened in my career and with clients, like I couldn't have made that happen. I couldn't have planned that, you know? Well, that, that to me is when you're on your soul path. Yeah. You know, once you kind of, like you said, I think the, the manifesting implies pushing and pushing, whereas what we're talking about is in that flow of life, you're on your soul path. And like you said, that's that's when the magic happens. And you like, some things you think, how did that happen? Like the, the organization I told you I'm involved with, I, that was the same for me. That was obviously part of my dharma because yeah. it just like, it wasn't easy, but when it flowed, it flowed beautifully. So and I think there's a lot of fear down here on planet Earth in terms of this a light-based universe. So it's duality. So we've got light and dark and good and evil, and there's a lot of injustice and there's a lot of pain on the planet, and there's a lot of beauty and opportunity. And so sometimes it's really hard if people are feeling like paycheck to paycheck or stressed yeah. out with kids or something. How do you start to listen then? Yeah. Um, and I'm very practical and very grounded around this work. It's funny because this is the most out there work, but I'm also like you, like super like, let's make it practical. Break and it down. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's just like, start where you are and know that everyone can do this. I know my story is a little <laughs> out there, but really 
everyone I work with little kids I've got a three-year-old and a nine-year-old and I do versions of this with them and I you know so every single person because we're souls having a human experience is capable of just getting a little quiet and starting to ask yourself what would love tell me now and I think when you ask that question you start to talk to your soul because your soul is you as love so your interpretation of love is your soul so even if you're like, what's a soul? How do I know if that's my soul? You can just start today with like, what does love want to tell me right now? And sometimes love, if you're a stressed out mom, you know, and have kids with special needs, sometimes it might be like, take a nap or like, um, don't have guilt and see if you can get childcare for two hours, like a friend or family member so that you can uh, go outside and put your feet in the grass and breathe for a second, you know? So they're very baby steps at the beginning. So is that kind of your advice for people listening, if they want to kind of start this dialogue, get more in communication with their soul. You mentioned soul journaling. That's obviously one way that they can do that. Is there anything you need to just free flow writing or? Yeah, so it's all, all of this stuff comes from the power of intention, right? And I learned that in my shamanic journey. I worked with Michael Harner, who wrote The Way of the Shaman. And it's all about the way you navigate to the upper world or the lower world is your intention to do that. And if you want to talk to that spirit over there, you send your intention because you don't have little legs to walk you as a spirit, you know? So you move with the power of your intention, um, which was great training for me to understand how powerful intention is. Mm. Like, so mm. the first step is just saying, I want to hear my soul or intuition. To me, um, intuition is just the voice of the soul. Um, so you, the first step is, I am setting the intention. I want to hear her. And that right there Boom. completely changes the energy, right? Because already you're like, now I'm on the remote control station of soul. Instead of listening to what I have to do or all the stressors, I'm now like, what is it? And sometimes it'll kind of happen immediately or sometimes that's the prayer and you can set that intention a little bit and then maybe it'll be three days and then you'll have like this feeling like, oh, I think that's my heart talking. I think that's my intuition. Um, and then you just up it. It's like a volume, like you're just turning it up, like a volume dial where the soul journaling helps you to like, just hear more and more details. So instead of it's like, just relax, you might hear, here's how I want you to relax. Do this, 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 you know, <laughs> start to hear, I call those the marching orders. So my book, meet your soul talks really about, it's a whole like chapter. There's work, there's exercises and meditations in each chapter of how to do it. But I always tell people, if you're going to do one thing, try the soul journaling because I find that really pretty much everyone can do it. And you just have to, so I do it like a dialogue. My soul's name is Sophia and I talk to her. So instead of talking to like your spirit guides, you're talking to your soul. And I always tell people, especially for those of you out there that are talking to your spirit guides, if you can talk to your spirit guides, it's even more important you can hear your soul because your life review is not going to be from the perspective of your spirit guides. Right. So how you really did, they can help you. I think they're assistants, but the CEO is the soul. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. you. So um, to not put any other spirits on hierarchy higher than your soul. A lot of people think, oh, but it, I can't hear my soul, but I can hear Archangel Michael. Can I just listen to him about everything to do? And um, Does everyone's soul have a name? Like you said that you have a name for your soul. Does, does my soul have a name? Like, Well, so when I see a soul, it looks like a universe. So I see each of us as, and to me, it's a particular universe. It's a face of God or the goddess. And it, to me, the ocean of God is like, God is like the ocean. And then all of our souls are like the raindrops, which have a flavor and a quality and an agenda of like the soul contracts and what lessons. Mm. So 
um, the reason I talk about naming is so important is because you can feel that every soul is different and has unique qualities of, you could say kind of individuation to them. Um, and the, our egos down here need something to talk to that. Mm, and the more specific we can get about the feeling of what that is, the more we can hear her or him. So, so I never give people the name of their universe, basically. I think it's more important that people feel a connection to the name. And I always say the name's not a big deal in the sense of the name can change or it's, it's not about the name. It's more if the name summons that energy for you. Although I will say Sophia told me her name and then there was a bunch of synchronicities and meanings to what that meant for me, um, which I didn't know when I was like calling her Sophia at first. So I think the name is often really meaningful, but I have clients that are like, I don't hear the name. They get too stressed in their ego of perfectionism. Like, is it right or the wrong name? And then I say, just what does it feel like? And so a lot of times people call their soul grace or joy. And that's a great way to start talking because the soul doesn't care if you get the name right, right away. Yeah. Like the soul just wants you to be feeling, feeling her. Yeah. And because I think that's great advice. So people can sit with that when they're doing their soul journey. They can, you know, you can ask if their soul wants to, you know, give their name effectively. Yeah. And I have actually free meditations on my website oh. under work with me meditations. And one of them is the meet and name her meditation. And that's a great one to do. So it, it, I do a guided visualization so that you can move your brain state from beta to theta, which is where you're more available to hear this stuff. I think the insanity of humans is we're in beta state most of the time in our analytical mind, just like doing things, functioning. And then we're trying to solve problems from that same vibration. And so we don't get very far because we're just ruminating in the same vibration. Um, and Einstein says, you can never solve a problem from the energy level in which it's created. So the answer then is to learn how to raise the brain state. And I always say it's like getting on an elevator. It's like if you're on the first floor of a hotel and there's a couple of buildings before you and the beach, you can't see the beach. But if you go in the elevator, you go to the penthouse, oh, there's the beach. I see where the map of where to go. So to me, um, anytime you raise your brain state, you're going in the elevator and you're going to the penthouse so that then you look at your life from there and and it looks like different it's kind of shocking how sometimes just that quick little meditation can you'll see all your problems differently what another thing i like to do is just imagine like a hawk or an eagle lifting me up and flying up so that i'm above my physical body and then you can look down and then ask yourself the questions like what should i do about whatever it is like should my son go to this school or that school that's one thing we're talking about now um, my beta state mind might not know, like, what does it look like? What feels brighter? What feels like more love? What feels more resonant? And you start to feel it in your body. Beautiful. So do you have a daily practice around this? Do you soul journal every day? What's your kind of daily practice to communicate with you? Yeah, I've been soul journaling every, almost every day, pretty much every day for 20 years. Cause I was wow. 17 when I started doing the, um, God, I'm older than that now. I just had a birthday. I'm like, how old am I now? It's Definitely. nice when you don't remember how old you are. I guess that's a sign you're getting old. You don't know anymore. Um, but yeah, every morning I just check in with her. And I always tell people that 80% of soul journaling is just asking good questions. You know, a lot of people just like, I don't know what to ask. So I usually start with, how am I doing? Like, where am I connected to you to love? And where am I disconnected? Okay. And then raise the brain state, go to the penthouse. 
and then and then she'll tell me oh well you're doing good over here but you're a little in fear over here i want you to bring love to this issue and take a breath and go on a jog about that thing over there and you know she'll give me really practical grounded advice every day and i've been doing it so long and, it, and then you start to receive psychic information too about like what's going on with people in their lives how to help communicate with them and it's such a relief like i really don't know how people function as humans without it yeah. because well, it's a beautiful way to live, isn't it? Like like you said, it kind of, when you're living in that flow of life, it is a flow and you, you, you can be present and you're enjoying what's happening rather than being in that sort of stressed out, pushing. Yeah, and, and you go from this kind of feeling, I went from this feeling of like, is everything meaningless where we're just hustling and is there a point to this to a feeling of, oh my gosh, there's so much beauty and divinity and we're always mm-hmm. being watched and supported and there's a master plan there's this master yeah. plan that's trying to pull us into love. And if I can just like listen to that, I feel mm-hmm. so seen and known and supported. And the universe, like beyond has your back. It's like you are the universe. You become mm-hmm. the universe. And it's so, um, yeah, incredible. Mm. Much, you know, it's kind of comforting in the sense of like, you, there is this divine intelligence that, is working through us and for us. Yeah, it's and I think that's the main, you know, working in suicide lines was really nice in the sense of I really learned about the psychology of humans and that I'll have a life wish, which is like, it's true, it's meaningful, I'm meant to be here, that, you know, like good positivity. And then a death wish, which is kind of like, what's the point? Or addictions or doubt or fear. And we all have these two sides and it's like the angel and the devil on a shoulder, you know, in the cartoons, it's like, they're always kind of fighting it, whether we're conscious of that or not. Sometimes it's very quiet and mild. We don't realize there's like a fight going on, but it is that love or fear, love or fear. Are we choosing love or fear? It's so cliche, but it's so true that mm-hmm. every moment is kind of a test and that we're here. We are here on the planet to become love. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then if, if our work and our income can be in alignment with becoming love. How amazing is that? You know, that's mm-hmm. just like the cream on the top. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. Awesome. What a wonderful, wonderful, I could, I could talk to you all day. What a wonderful <laughs> conversation. But if, people, if people want to find out more, you said you've released a couple of books, so they can find those on your website? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Everything's people- on the website. And I've got a YouTube channel with like different videos where I talk more about this stuff. And We've got a lot of my press page. There's different interviews. And oh, I think it's good for anyone listening who's an empath like you to get on and watch the Awakening from the Heart yes. trailer. And yeah. I'd love if you watch that for people. Feel free to send me an email. Let me know how you felt and what opened for you because that's the goal of that work is to raise the vibration of the planet and try to get, we're working on that becoming a documentary so that as many people as possible just start to feel and burn their soul in their body. And and what happens with that heat, what was happening to you is you're starting to have a physical experience with your soul because you're an empath, you could feel it happening to the people there, which makes it a possibility. And then it starts to birth it into your own body. So it's an initiation. And now I bet, you know, you'll have more rounds of it that it's kicked off, which is so fun and beautiful. It's so so powerful. Like every even literally when I pushed play to watch it before I interviewed you today, 
uh, it just literally started and just went <laughs> I love it I have I have clients that use it like a meditation and I tell certain people when they're soul birthing a lot like go watch it every other day because you get it just reminds you how to do it energetically yourself. Mm. So yes, we would love to hear your feedback. Uh, um, obviously, contact Ilsa directly. Let us know as well at Kitty Talks. I hope you found this interview valuable. I know I did. Um, Ilsa, we'll have all your details in the show notes so people can find you. They will get to know more about you. But I really want to thank you for coming on because your, your mission and my mission is so aligned. So it was like a no-brainer. It was wonderful talking with you and I could talk forever with you as well. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> we will see you next week on Kitty Talks with another another wonderful guest. Bye-bye. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma.